You're a little older and a lot wiser. The future is yours. Define aging on your own terms. Welcome to AARP Without Limits with your host, Mike Olander. Hello and welcome. This is AARP Without Limits, WPTF Talk Radio, disrupting aging with the power of 50,000 watts. And our podcast, available anytime on demand at WPTF.com or through our Facebook, AARP North Carolina. I'm your host, Mike Olander, director of AARP North Carolina. We've got a great show for you today. Cody Kinsley, North Carolina Secretary of Health and Human Services, is with us to talk about his efforts to help make North Carolina a better and healthier place to live for people of all ages and abilities. But before we get to that, ladies and gentlemen, as always, my esteemed production engineer here at WPTF, Mr. Jason Kong is with us. Jason, how you doing, buddy? Mike, I'm doing wonderful. It's good to see you. Very good to see you, too. I'm feeling very well-rested after a vacation. We talked a little bit about this before we got onto the mic, but back from the Bahamas, back from New York City, back from the shores, the shore of uh, Jersey. You got a nice little uh, tan. Got a little tan sharp. going on. My hair got lighter, too. I noticed that. I came <laughs> back, and people were like, what happened? I'm like, you are look sun-kissed. And I said, I've been in quite in the sun quite a bit uh, with the kids. Have you ever been to the Bahamas before, Jason? I've not been to the Bahamas. Uh, I've been to Jamaica and a few other areas uh, okay. of the Caribbean, but not Jamaica is actually on my, my bucket list to uh, visit. I know some people who go there routinely, and, uh, you know, it's it's all that uh, and a bag of chips for them. So I'd be interested <laughs> in hearing what, you, what your take is on that a little bit. Um, cruise, you ever been on a cruise before? Not a cruise guy, unfortunately. So, no, I have not. Okay, you're not a cruise guy. You just haven't the been able appeal, to go. It doesn't really appeal to me. Um, you know, if an opportunity presents itself, maybe, but uh, not something I'm really seeking out. Okay, all right. Are I you get a it. cruise guy? I hope I didn't offend you. I didn't. No, not at all. I'm, I'm relatively new to the cruise scene. Um, I don't know if that sounds right, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I went on a cruise to the Bahamas uh, last Labor Day last year, and then my kids were very jealous and said, "How come we didn't get to go? You went with your friend." And so. Uh, I took them, and um, you know, I have to tell you, Jason. As a father, I know you know this in your own experience as well, too. Though my kids are a little bit older than yours, um, sometimes as parents, you know, we get excited for things for our kids, you know, because like we know what the value of it is. And then when uh, we present that to them, sometimes it falls a little flat. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I've been talking this up to them and showing them videos and pictures of the Bahamas when I first went there. And, you know, we got this excursion package at Nassau, um, you know, Atlantis and all that huge water park, all this great stuff. The water is so clear in the ocean, literally have a video of a sea turtle swimming right by us, right? The first time I went there. So we finally get there just very recently, a couple of weeks ago, and they're like, yeah, it's nice. I'm like, what do you mean, yeah, it's nice? <laughs> First off, do you have any idea how much your father paid for this? And number two, you know, you are in one of the most beautiful places on the planet. How can you be just so, you know, casual? about? But they are at that point. I've got a 12 and a 13-year-old. Of course, they're beginning to learn that they know everything, um, and uh, including the value of such excursions as that. So it was a bit—I um, don't want to say a dis- bit of a disappointment, but it definitely was a bit of a, um, 
you know, reality check as parents. Sometimes the things that are uh, important to us aren't always so important to uh, to our younger ones. You you were looking for that reaction and you just didn't get it. And sometimes that, that stings a little bit. It is. And I have to admit there was a portion of the trip where I was like, I'm not going to do this again. Like we're not going <laughs> to – I'm not going to go through, through all of this um, – Again, um, but you know that is it is what it is, uh, and so on and so forth. But anyway, it's good to be back. I am back, feeling very refreshed, very well rested, um, and very healthy, healthy in mind, body, and spirit. Um, and that being said, it's only uh, very appropriate that we have um, that our first guest since being back from vacation is North Carolina's Secretary of Health and Human Services, Mr. Cody Kinsley, here with us in the studio. Secretary, Mr. Secretary, thank you so much for being with us today. It's great to be here. Uh, and I, I have to really jump in here. You, you can't talk about vacation. And first off, I want to applaud people going on vacation. I think that's really good. It's good to rest, take care of yourself. Uh, second, I just want to encourage everyone to wear sunscreen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think we should. Uh, I'm not sure I'm celebrating your sun-kissed nature uh, <laughs> as much as you are. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the goal is to uh, apply frequently. And, and I have a quick story. So speaking of vacations, our uh, nephew, who is 10, came and stayed with my my partner and I for a couple of weeks. And uh, leading up to that visit, my partner had taken him to Disney World. And they had an amazing trip to Disney World. And they came here to North Carolina. And on his last night, before we sent him back to California, where he lives, uh, we took him to Conkey for dinner. And, you know, the shrimp got tossed and all mm-hmm. the things and the flames and da da da. At which point he sits back in the chair and goes, wow, this is better than Disney World. Oh. <laughs> and so to your point about uh, children not necessarily appreciating the cost of right. things, uh, so it turns out, just stick to Conkey. No need for Disney. Right. Good point. We got a lot to talk about here. That's for sure. Um, now you have a very important job in our state with a lot of responsibility. So to get started, let's start with some of the basics about what your department is, what it does, and what your role is as secretary for the state. Sure. So North Carolina's Department of Health and Human Services uh, is. Um, has one primary mission, and that is to improve the health and well-being of our state uh, and to uh, provide the services and the supports to set the policies, to advise the legislature on legislation, uh, and to invest in programs that make that mission possible. Um, We have 33 operating divisions, about 18,000 staff uh, that touch, uh, whether people know it or not, the lives of every North Carolinian multiple times. Uh, We manage vital records. We provide uh, complex psychiatric services uh, at one of our 14 state-operated healthcare facilities. Uh, We invest in programs that help people age in place. Um, We set strategies and visions for folks across their lifespan. Uh, And so it's it's an amazing mission. Uh, It's a great uh, pleasure and privilege to be a public servant in my home state. Uh, and to serve in this role. Uh, and it's a big, complex operation. Uh, and uh, and it's, it's a lot of great challenges right now for us, um, but it's an exciting mission. Great. Um, now, a lot of older, a lot of our listeners are older adults, and for them, you know, when they think healthcare, they think you know Medicare, or they think of their veterans' benefits and so forth. What role here in the state specifically uh, does the department play when it comes to older adults? You'd mentioned aging in place and, and some other pieces. Sure. So first, I'll start. We have a division dedicated to aging and adult services, uh, and they're 
job is to really work across the department uh, to think about how we bend and pull every part of our department to the benefit of older North Carolinians. Uh, North Carolina's population over the age of 65 is 1.8 million. And as I think you and our listeners know, it is rapidly growing Mm -hmm. uh, on a path by 2040 to have 2.7 million people. North Carolina is growing. People are moving here and having the healthcare infrastructure that supports them uh, is necessary. So I think about uh, direct support professionals that are going to serve people living in their homes, the personal care services and other insurance benefits that make that possible often come from public payers like Medicaid or Medicare uh, to make that possible. But then setting the rules of the road and the certifications and growing that workforce is something that's a top priority for the department. Um, In addition to direct support professionals in the home, uh, we have facilities for individuals that go into uh, facility-based living spaces, managing, regulating those, ensuring that they're safe and investigating complaints uh, is another role that we play at the department. Um, But so much more beyond that, and that really back to the core of our Division of Adult um, uh, Services and uh, the work that they do to set a vision to support individuals to age in the home, and uh, and a lot of the programs that they operate um, uh, are exciting and critical for folks across their lifespan. And, and I like to think of it not necessarily as the things that we need to do for people as they are aging, but really, frankly, the, the right things to do for everyone at at any point in their life, helping people live and thrive in their home, in their communities uh, with the right services and supports is a a core goal for the department. You had mentioned Medicaid, and after the commercial break, I really want to get into that because that's a huge issue for the state and, and really would like to hear your take on what's going on and what folks should expect. COVID's been in the news recently. COVID rates um, have been upticking. What could you tell us a bit about that? So we are uh, in a period where we're seeing increased viral transmission. Um, let, let me s- start here. While the public health emergency for COVID is over, COVID as a virus is still with us and will continue to be with us, much like other viruses are, uh, and respiratory viruses in particular, remain with us. So think of flu and pneumonia, RSV, uh, and now COVID is added to the cornucopia of those viruses. Uh, We have surveillance that monitors the presence of COVID as a virus in wastewater. It's one of our greatest indicators, and for the last several weeks, we've seen a consistent uptick in those viral particles in wastewater. Um, The good news is that the numbers aren't out of pace with past summer surges. It's not growing so rapidly that we have particular concern. And the consistent thinking across our scientists in this space is that the increases right now are really attributed to waning immunity, not because of a new ambitious or vigorous virus variant. Uh, And so the best thing folks can do right now is to continue to be sure up to date on your vaccines. Uh, Go to our website, get our guidance on the right variants. I suspect that we'll hear from the Centers for Disease Control um, soon about a fall booster that will be tailored to the most recent variants. Uh, And much like folks get an annual flu shot um, or a pneumonia shot, uh, this is going to be this fall another moment to really 
restore your immunity levels through a boost. And the last really important piece of information on COVID I want to make sure folks know is that treatment is widely available. Uh, the antivirals that are available are incredibly effective at shortening uh, the uh, the length of the disease and the severity of the disease. If you, the question is not, are you having bad symptoms? The question is, is are you at risk for having um, severe disease? And and many North Carolinians are. And uh, again, if so, if you if you test positive, speak to your healthcare provider about getting treatment. Uh, it, it's great and widely available and highly effective at shortening the course. Great, great information. When we return after this commercial break, folks, we're going to continue our conversation with Cody Kinsley, getting into Medicaid uh, and other great things. This is ARP Without Limits. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is AARP Without Limits. Just a reminder, folks, we always love to hear from you. Send us a question, send us a comment, send us a recommendation for a future topic or guest by sending us an email to aarpwithoutlimits at aarp.org. We have been speaking to North Carolina's Secretary of Health and Human Services, Mr. Cody Kinsley, when speaking about COVID-19 and other things. Big news uh, this year, uh, Mr. Secretary, was the issue of uh, Medicaid expansion. Uh, back some months ago, their Republican and Democrat leaders joined health advocates in celebration of the expansion of, of Medicaid, which of course is contingent on passage of a state budget. Now, here we are in August, no budget passed, uh, no implementation of the expansion. Um, we have people who were on Medicaid during COVID who are at, at risk at losing their coverage. So could you please, uh, I'm interested in hearing your take, if you could explain in layman's terms um, what the situation is, um, what your expectations are, and what measures are currently being taken or being planned to help mitigate this. Sure. So let's back up. March 27th, Governor Cooper signed into law perhaps one of the most exciting and bipartisan bills that had come together in a long time. And that was a bill that, in part, would expand Medicaid and also draw additional federal resources into our healthcare system uh, to really prop it up and support it, especially in our rural communities. Um, the total value of this bill is $8 billion a year of federal resources coming into North Carolina at no additional cost to the state taxpayer, uh, money that we had been turning away for a very long time. Uh, in addition to that financial resources, uh, 600,000 North Carolinians would get expanded access to health care, 80% of whom are in working families. Um, I like to remember who we're talking about when we think about expansion. Uh, these are, as I said, 80% in working families. Uh, they're folks that work as direct support professionals who employers uh, can't afford health insurance because the profit margin's too narrow. Uh, but we know that's a critical business for the life and support of other people. They're people who work in childcare, uh, who make it possible for young children to have the 
early education, high quality early education that's important across their lifespan, but also for mom and dad to be able to go to work. Uh, and without that child care, it's critical, but child care providers offer, often cannot offer health insurance. Uh, it's our retail workers. It's the people that do work for us at our homes that take care of the odd jobs and things, uh, you know, help repair our homes if we want to age in place. Uh, you know, these are critical people that are essential to the health and well-being of our state's economy, and their health and well-being needs an investment, and that's Medicaid expansion, and they've needed it for a long time. Because of the public health emergency, the Medicaid rolls were growing and we weren't doing redeterminations because the federal government didn't allow us to. That's now restarted. And so folks are starting to fall off Medicaid because we haven't expanded yet. And yet, you know, they've gotten a job, they're making a little bit more money, it makes them not eligible now, but they would be eligible had we expanded. Each month, about 9,000 people are falling off that would be able to stay on under expansion. And just let's put ourselves in their shoes. You know, I finally found a doctor. I finally am starting to get my blood pressure under control. I have my diabetes medication, I know where to get it filled, and it's on auto refill. I'm losing all that now. 9,000 9, North Carolinians. 9,000 North Carolinians every month. Um, most of these folks are in rural communities in North Carolina. Uh, people in rural communities are three to four times as likely to be uninsured. And so in addition to all the businesses I talked about earlier, these are also folks that work in small businesses and beautiful, you know, I used to live in Brevard, North Carolina, mm -hmm. uh, large and growing retirement community there. Um, and the small town in Brevard and the, the businesses there are exciting. Uh, they make it vibrant, a wonderful place to live where you sit around the table and have coffee and get to know your neighbors. But the barista working behind the counter doesn't get health insurance, but they work really hard. Medicaid expansion helps them get access to health care that's going to keep them healthy and well, keep their children healthy and well. Uh, and so expansion is a huge investment in North Carolina, and I think it is a shame that we continue to delay implementing. Um, it's a shame that we are wasting hundreds of millions of dollars every month that could be coming into North Carolina. And I think it's downright tragic that hundreds of thousands of people, those 9,000 people I were talking about, and then the other 600,000 people mm -hmm. uh, that will be on expansion once we go live. So uh, this is a real opportunity for us. And, and let's be clear, I don't need a budget. I need the authority to move forward. Mm -hmm. They tied it to the budget in the original bill. They can shove one sentence of authority in anything else, and I can move forward. So you have uh, just one quick question, follow up on this. Um, I know you and your team are continuously communicating with, with leadership in, in, the, in uh, the legislature. Any you know, the indications we have or looking here at September, they're hoping to get a deal. Are you hearing the same things? Are you optimistic that they're going to actually wrap this up and we'll be able to get, get back on the road here? You know, I, I know that they're working very hard and they're navigating across several of their members being on vacation, as they have shared. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my commitment is that my staff, we're hard at work every day, and we're going to work around whatever they give us to try to get this done as soon as possible for the people of North Carolina. I think, you know, this is my home state. I, I have appreciated the opportunity to work closely with the General Assembly, shared interest of making North Carolina a better place for everyone to live. Uh, let's work together and get this done as soon as possible. 
Right. Well, I see no trips to the Bahamas, vacation trips to the Bahamas for you until this is done. Hear, hear loud and clear there. But still wearing sunscreen. <laughs> Very good. Back in May, uh, the governor signed an executive order declaring that the state was going to work towards becoming an age-friendly state and directed state agencies to start viewing its work through an age-friendly lens. What is your vision of the department's uh, piece of that? You know, this is so exciting to me, and I'm so grateful for Governor Cooper's leadership on this. As I mentioned earlier, North Carolina's population that is over 65 is rapidly growing. People want to retire here, uh, or they want to stay here as they retire because we have a, a strong health system. So that's thing one for me. How do we continue to bolster that health system and make sure it's available for folks um, and growing? Uh, but we also have a lot of barriers to overcome. I think about transportation as people age and technology gaps. How do people live well in rural communities in North Carolina and still have connections to the healthcare and the supports that they need and to each other? Um, I also think about improvements in people's homes and how do we invest in the resources that folks need to age in place and to be well and safe. Uh, we know that uh, older North Carolinians disproportionately experience substance use issues. Uh, we also know that they experience loneliness that can lead to depression. Uh, improving the behavioral health and resilience of our state has been a top priority for me. Investing in the resources and supports and programs that help serve those issues is really important. And that's why we have the Healthy Aging Task Force and why we're shaping a state aging plan. That's why we're working with our partners in every county uh, to make North Carolina the best place to live at every age. I have to say, I'm really impressed with how thoughtfully the administration took this. And I remember those early conversations with the governor's staff back four years ago about pursuing this. And they said, like, we're going to do it, but we've got to do it the right way. We don't want this just to be a, you know, a press release and then that's it. You know, what's the most thoughtful long-term way of doing it? And since that EO was signed, um, they've been up and running. So I uh, really appreciate your commitment to that as well. Lastly, in the last minute or so, we've got we were talking about COVID earlier. I am frankly stunned and so disappointed by there's so many people, unfortunately, many people with a microphone with big audiences who do a lot of history rewriting of COVID and how they f seem to forget very conveniently sometimes really just how uncertain things were and how um, important that state of emergency was in. What Looking back now, and you are very much part of that working under Mandy Cohen at the time, but leading the state's response, how do you uh, um, respond to those types of um, um, memory, folk, selective memories that, or, or recollections people have of that period? I would like to start by reminding folks that the key word was novel virus. Mm. We had no knowledge or experience in exactly how this virus spread, what the consequences were, who was most at risk, and we were really both building all of the tools to counter it and to keep people well and learning about it at the same time. Let's all remember there was a period of time when people were washing their bananas because right. they weren't sure if COVID spread on the skin of right. groceries. Yes. And, um, and I'm so glad that we moved as rapidly as we did to a place of knowledge and that we were able to adapt on the fly to build the tools, to give folks the tools to manage COVID so that COVID doesn't manage our lives. And we got there and we got there together. Uh, and, uh, you know, but it is a virus that is continuing to stay with us. Uh, and the best thing that we can do is be vaccinated. I encourage everyone to have their vaccination as our cornerstone public health tool uh, and to continue to avail themselves of all the other resources to test and to treat when we go through those periods as well. 
Excellent. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate your, your leadership and helping the state become healthier um, and a uh, better place to live for people of all ages and abilities. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Secretary, for being with us. Thank you, folks, for listening. That is a wrap. I want to thank again Secretary uh, Cody Kinsley for being our guest. Thank Jason Kong for production. Thank you for listening. This has been AARP Without Limits. This is Mike Olander signing off.